Hello and welcome to Casting Nuts Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with the always wonderful and well-prepared Pastor Dave Rudot. Dave, say hi. Hi, it's great to have that you That was with all us. I asked, just and, say hi. Uh, what? <laughs> did you know, did you know this coming Sunday is Trinity Sunday? It is Trinity Sunday. And did you know that the Triune God is a baseball fan? I did not know that he's a baseball fan. It, it's right there in Genesis, Will. Oh, no. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning... in the beginning in the big inning yes yeah uh i miss those uh welcome to the show uh we are glad that you're here with us today we are finishing up our look at the uh book of esther and so that'll be our our task for today dealing with uh, chapter 9 and 10 before we do so um just because we are in the summer and we have two pastors who are, are released from the stress of, of the year um, and entering into the summer months. So here's your trigger warning. Um, this is two pastors having a conversation. Some of the things that we say may or may not um, be fully thought out. And so please uh, give us a, a modicum of forgiveness and understanding. Uh, but this is the beginning of a conversation. And so as we talk, please uh, give your feedback. If you're online with us, you can do so through the chat. If you're watching it later, uh, please do so through our email or through uh, our congregations as you come to visit myself here in Maribel, or you can come and visit with uh, Pastor Rudat at Emmanuel and Shirley. Um, but remember that this is the beginning of a conversation. We hold ourselves to the scriptures. We hold ourselves to the confessions of the Lutheran Church. And I think that's everything. Email address, castingnetspod at gmail.com. And if you like what you see, uh, please give us a review on Facebook or on YouTube. Or if you are um, watching on YouTube, do the little subscribe plus the little bell thing so that you know exactly when we're, we're streaming. And uh, if you are on doing on a podcast such as Apple Podcasts, you can give us four stars or five stars. Um, and uh, that helps the algorithm reach more people. There you go. So thank you. If you do that, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I think um, with that, let's uh, move our way into our Bible study. Again, um, while we have this little transition of music, I would highly recommend you grab your Bible, open it up to the, the pages of Esther. It's in the Old Testament, and we're going to be looking at chapters 9 and 10. If you haven't had an opportunity to read along with us in the book of Esther, um, you can always go back into to our podcast files, and you will find the entirety of the book there. Uh, we are going to eventually, on this podcast, go through every single book of the Bible, and, and we'll eventually do a Bible study on all of them. So a uh, one-stop shop for, for all of your Bible study needs, hopefully. Um, but uh, Esther is where we are today, and so let's have some music. Welcome back. Hopefully you have gotten your Bible. You have opened it up to the pages of Esther. Um, before, or your app. Or your app. You can. I don't like apps. And oh. I'm, I'm, I'm not judging. This is not a statement of judgment. This is just, um, well, yeah, it is a statement of judgment. You're, <laughs> you are absolutely and horribly wrong if you're using an app to, to go through your Bible. And there's a reason for that. And I'm, here's my defense. <clears throat> my defense for, for not having an app for your Bible is... It destroys your location 
ability of where things are in the scriptures. Um, it is a living and breathing book, and, and it is a way that we are able to engage with the words of our Lord as he speaks to us through time and space. And to be able to have a Bible in your hand um, and, and to be able to say, okay, I, I know about where it is, and you can find what it is the Lord is saying to you. Um, instead of not having pages and markers and, and it's just everything on a screen. I c- certainly, if you're looking at trying to master the whole book, and I, I get the point of location, like you know where things are because you're paging through, and like I kind of know where Esther is, I kind of know where Matthew is, but the Word of God is living and active, and so wherever you can find it, that it is still living and active. I'm so not saying it's not working. Individuals are using apps, which, which my children use, and so they do it for their... their uh, what have you done to your kids? I know. I've damaged my kids forever. They are reading the Bible every day at Bible a devotional thing. thing. We're on a two-year, our family's on a two-year uh, thing, and so we read the Bible together. We make little comments uh, throughout the day on, on what we That's read. That's a different podcast. A different podcast of family <laughs> devotions. Yeah. So, okay. Is that, that your plug? That's my counter. <laughs> that's my counter to it. And I certainly, um, again, I, my, I myself, I like reading it out of a, a book that I can read, that I know where the pages yeah. are. But on, but I use both. But I also use my app at at night when I am I'm having trouble sleeping. I'll listen sure. to the Bible on my app. Uh, I won't get out my book and turn the light on and and, and bug my wife. I'll just quietly. Well, she a, should be up reading it with you. Yeah, there you go. If I'm awake, she should be awake. Like children, if children are awake, parents should be awake. Yeah, you know. No, I, 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 when I was in seminary, I just fell. It was one of the things that um, a, a much older pastor had had passed down to us. He said, "Find, find a Bible translation that is good. That is 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 one that has had due diligence done in its construction, and then buy five copies." of the same one and use that as your personal study because you know, when one wears out, you'll go to the other one and, and uh, you, you'll always know kind of where you're at. So I I've taken that to heart. Also, it should be leather um, because um, out of all of the things in your life, the Bible should smell so sweet. (laughs) Smell. (laughs) It does smell. I'll give you that. (laughs) So. I think we've given them enough time to go to the front of the Bible and find where Esther is and turn to the... Yeah, it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> it is in the Old, Old Testament. Testament. Someone there, Someone this morning said, was it in the New <laughs> Testament? <laughs> no, I asked. In the Old Testament. I was using the pastor joke because we always are like telling kids, this is, you know, find this in your Bible. Sure. Like, it's in the Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament. And then you use that in the Bible class when you'd say, here, let's look this up. And then you say it's in the Old Testament or it's in the New Testament and... The Bible class members are like, oh yeah, that's the joke from confirmation class. There you go. Um, before we begin, uh, if we would like to bow our head with prayer, um, and then we'll start our study here of chapter 9 and 10 of Esther. Dear Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with us today. You have guarded and kept us throughout the night. We ask that as we approach our study of your word, that we may see your hand in all things. Uh, that even as we turn to the pages of Esther and we do not see your name listed, we do not see prayers and praise lifted to your glory, we do see that you work for your people, and that you work in the circumstances that surround our life. And for that, we give you thanks and praise. And so allow our hearts and minds to be open, allow our eyes to continue to follow, and for us to see our Lord and Savior Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's turn to the pages of 
Esther. Here is Esther chapter 9. We're going to break this up uh, a little bit and, and then have an opportunity to, to kind of talk our way through this. Uh, so as we begin with our pages of Esther, Esther chapter 9, you're going to go through 1 through 11, um, sorry, 1 through 10, and then we'll, we'll kind of discuss and then and work our way through that way. So beginning Esther chapter 9, on the 13th day of the 12th month of Adar, the day which the king's proclamation had specified for his decree to be carried out, the day on which the enemies of the Jews hoped to obtain power over them, the situation was reversed, so that the Jews would gain power over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities and all the provinces of King Xerxes to strike against those who were seeking to hurt them, no one opposed them because the fear of the Jews had fallen upon all the people. All the officials of the province, the satraps, the governors, and the people who did the work of the king were helping the Jews because the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. Because he was important in the king's house, his reputation was spreading in all the provinces, because this man, Mordecai, was becoming more and more influential." The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, slaughtering and destroying them. They did whatever they pleased against their enemies. In Susa, the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, including Parashandatha, Dalphan, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Arditha, Parmashta, Arise, Aride, and Zeh, or They killed the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, who had been persecuting the Jews, but they did not seize any plunder. And so there's where we, we are. Let's turn it to you for some commentary, Dave. I think the first thing that really uh, strikes me is that this uh, racism by Haman was shared by many people throughout the empire. So the idea that the Jews were under attack, that they were being persecuted because of their race, is not just something with one man's uh, desire to, to put them to death. This is something that's spread throughout the empire. So there's a lot of anxiety and animosity between the Jewish people and the other races, or I should, races, again, it's a construct because they're all one human race, but the other ethnicities of the area. Um, and so that, to me, that really strikes, like this was a bigger problem than just what's happening between Mordecai, Haman, Xerxes, and Esther. And um, so you can see as this is a celebration toward the end, this is a it's a big thing a, a, a lot of lot of stories intermixed into this one story um that's the first thing that strikes me what's the first thing that strikes you well i would say that as you know as i'm looking at at the text some of the things that 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 are are going behind the scenes are um this interplay between and we talked a little bit about it last time this interplay of the governmental structure which I find to be kind of interesting um, because you have the government, um, you know, the king can't take away a law that he's already set. Um, and so he enacts another law. And so now you have these two laws that are kind of colliding together. And, and, and you almost have this idea that the, the king knows there's going to be some bloodshed. <clears throat> but you also have, I think, something that is, is present in um, 
our culture today, uh, those those lifetime politicians who scramble, right? Because they're like, okay, wh- wh- which way is the wind blowing? <laughs> and and so they they they're they're scrambling now, and and they're they're linking themselves with the next the next important and influential person. Um, I think that tells us a lot about human nature in in the sense that that human nature has less morals and scruples than we would like to give them credit for. And it's more about what is what what can I do to preserve my state in life? What can I do to preserve my lot? What can I do to to follow my my course um, to make sure that I have, which is and and, and I say that in this framework because you're going to see a stark difference between that attitude and then the attitude of the Jews. Um, and, and especially going forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like his um, going. So, so the, so the reality is, is you have these, these people in the governmental structure, we're going to switch, we're going to flow to wherever the wind is going to take us. And the idea of destroying and plundering and taking for themselves is what, what Haman wanted to do. And now the Jews are able to defend themselves. But throughout this chapter, you're going to have it come up, I, I do believe, at least two more times. And you had the first one already. Um, the very words that were at the end of verse 10, they did not seize any plunder. The fact that they didn't go out of their way to go and eradicate families. They didn't go out of their way to to take land. They didn't go out of their way to steal uh, gold and silver and and whatever the case may be. They took zero. They just defended themselves. I think you had this total shift um, between the culture and Haman who wants and wants and wants and, and it's just me and my glory and my my wealth Um and then you have the Hebrew people, you have God's people who we want to protect life, our life. That's true. But we're not in it to take your stuff. I, I really see two points in uh, not taking any plunder. And I really like what you're saying, that the worldview shift of the Jewish people portraying a different way. One is I, I see the uh, uh, the reversal of what happened with King Saul and the Amalekites in the Old Testament, where King Saul was ordered to kill but and to kill everything and and to not take any plunder to not benefit in any way from the slaughter that he is about to do this is a, a slaughter where god has uh this is god's justice which which in many ways is uh, unsearchable that god would some for some people their time of grace is done so it's difficult for us to figure out why god would do what he does when he does so i i see that like the reversal of that where because uh, Mordecai is a descendant of King Saul. So just that interesting interplay of King Saul way back in the Old Testament did not uh, take out the Amalekites. Mordecai, who is dealing with Haman, who is a descendant of the Amalekites, uh, they there's a reversal there where they aren't going to take uh, their plunder. They're not going to benefit from that personally. I also see that's the first point that I like. And the second point that I like is the idea of evil how are you going to defeat evil by doing more evil or right or um or one has to win one side has to win and the one way that that can happen is by god's justice being meted out and in this way it was everyone's meeting their maker that is opposing god's people again god's justice we don't always understand why the time of grace for some individuals ends 
but it does end for everyone. And there really, there really isn't, when it comes to the problem of evil, it is not a problem of education. There's a problem of one side winning and the other side needing to be defeated. And so for that, that's a takeaway for me where we're, we're talking with, we're engaging with the world and with a culture that is evil. How is that going to be defeated? Education? We, we like to think that sure. that, will, that will solve all of our problems, of the, the problems between peoples that we'll just, we'll just teach them, we'll just educate them. I think the reality is, is that eventually some, one side has to lose. And for the Christian worldview, the, that one side losing is going to happen on Judgment Day when Jesus comes again. And so for the Christian to think that that Judgment Day result can happen a different way than one side winning and the other side going to hell forever, for us, I think is a little naive. It's just a, a realization that education proclaiming it does change a person's heart because we are in this time of grace. But is it going to eradicate evil? Certainly not. Only Jesus coming again at the end right. of time is going to eradicate all evil. Well, and I, and I like kind of what you're saying there. And, and I would push back just a little bit and say that the culture of the, the Medes and the Persians weren't necessarily evil. They, it certainly had a lot of, of ability to, to get people to follow that course. I, okay. That, which is exactly what I would say is happening in our, our society. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily mark our society as evil, but it gives a heck of a lot of leeway for someone who wants to be. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I wasn't saying that the entire culture. Of, right. I'm just saying the human nature of racism. Absolutely. Of, of looking at some, looking at distinctions between others and saying, I'm, I'm better than you because of where I come from or where I was born. Well, but isn't that, that sort even of thing is, is, is an yeah. evil that can't be settled. But, but isn't, isn't, isn't that the very same idea of, of the cult are the culture that we're in that says tolerance, 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 right? But but isn't tolerance at its core just saying my way of thinking is better than yours, but I guess I'll tolerate your subpar thinking? <laughs> isn't isn't that tolerance? Isn't that what tolerance I think is for saying? The Christian that is, it's like a lot of times it's I want to talk to you about Jesus and salvation. I'm gonna put up with a lot of stuff, a lot of weird ideas, because I want to talk to you about Jesus and salvation because that's right. The real the issue the real issue sin and grace yeah. but i think i think you have um i think you have in this in this situation that we're dealing with here i, I think you're having um really the the perfect um christian example of you, you don't go out there and start a fight don't go out there and 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 poke the bear don't go out there and and um um be the one that that people can point to and say they never shut their mouth or they're always you know they're always very aggressive but instead um be the one that when when the things fall apart i'm defending i i'm standing to defend what is right and what is true um and in this case they're defending for their life which is which is what we have the opportunity to do and and when you're making this this connection to our society today we got to be really really careful right um because and, and I'm going to bring in something that is, is hot in the topic of, of today's society. Um, Bud Light had Dylan Mulvaney on. Um, I, I put him on a can, <laughs> whatever. Um, Target had had um, bathing suits for, for transvestite people. Um, Kohl's is now selling um, um, LGBTQ onesies for, for infants. Um and we're all up in arms. 
I mean, you, every well, you got to boycott this and you boycott that. And you, cancel culture. Again. Cancel. It's it just yeah. on a different foot. Yeah. Um, and I look at that and I'm saying, okay, just stop. Just, okay. Do you have to buy it? No. Then don't. I, I, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it, this is, it is a, it is a fight for no other reason other than we li- we like to fight. Even as Christians, we like, that's our sinful nature breaking through. We like to fight because if we have no one else to fight and, and this was, uh, who was it? Oh, um, I forgot what the hist- uh, in history, which one, who said it? Maybe you, when I say it, you'll, you'll, you can remind me, uh, but there was, a um, 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 a leader back in the history that said, um, the way to destroy Christianity is to leave it alone and they will destroy themselves. <clears throat> and, and that's so, it's so very true. And I, and when I'll remember it like at midnight, I'll wake up and I'll be, like, um, but <clears throat> it's the idea that, that, that our sinful nature wants these things. They want to fight. They want to take, they want to win. They want to, they want to um, force other people to do, to believe what is comfortable for us. And as Christians, this is the very, very fundamental evil that that we ourselves need to be always combating every day is is in myself that that desire to do those things, which is where I give I think the the Jews a bunch of credit in the text because the scriptures will point out three different times they did not take, they did not do, they did not go after, um, they just defended, and and that takes restraint. And, and then also as they celebrate too, they're not going to celebrate by <laughs> recreating this yes, event. You know? Absolutely. We, that'll be yeah. later on. Uh, there's a good question that was asked. What about the argument w- that we are where we are as a society because Christians have been passive? And I think that, again, it goes to your fight of how are you going to, I'm sorry, goes to your comment, <laughs> your fight, your <laughs> Fighting. We're talking about fighting. What's your comment about <laughs> what is our role in society? Is our role to change the culture by our advocacy in the secular world and in mar- in in what where we buy and how we our buying power and our political power? Is that how we're going to change the culture, or are we going to change the culture by engaging with individuals and and talking to them about uh, and and their lives and having conversations rather than shouting sure. at each other or shouting into our echo chambers about sure. how um, I can't believe they're doing this at Target or I can't believe they're doing this, you know, to Bud Light or, or why Bud Light is doing this and all that where we're we're all up in arms and angry about uh, where our culture is going but we're not engaging with the actual people in that culture. We're just shouting at each other right. or shouting at ourselves thinking that this is somehow how we change culture, that this is somehow... This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be active. When in the case in Esther, the Jews are going to be actively engaged in their culture, as we'll see later, by not uh, perpetuating the cycle of violence, but by by being kind and by being unselfish, by engaging with their culture around them and uh, and, and, uh, and caring for their needs. And so this is a, a completely different worldview, diff- completely different mindset than engaging in a culture in in a combative nature. So, <clears throat> and and I like what you said. I I I do. Um, I would ask the question: What is passive? Because if you're thinking that passivity is, um, if you're thinking that passivity is doing nothing but coming and worshiping on a Sunday, I would say absolutely right. 
because I think the church is filled with people, and we've seen that even in new in, in new converts or people who are are of the new generation of churchgoers are like, all you do is sit in your ivory towers. And there's some truth to that, and I would agree that that is the passiveness um, where they want the they they will they will elect a person who who promises to make laws to do what they feel comfortable with. That is very passive, and you're right. Um, I would disagree in the sense that that is Christianity, because um, throughout all of the world, at any time and in any any square, the true Christian has always lived their faith, and they've lived their faith not through force. They've lived their faith through living and, and, and showing that this is how I live my life and what I do. Um, they've lived it through service to others and community. They've lived it through service to family and, and uh, husbands being the, the best example of what a husband should be to, to their wives. Wives, the best example of what women are to be to their husbands and family. Children being the obedient ones who, who learn from their parents and give respect to their elders. Um, and then are in the life that says when, when confronted with a, an opportunity to do something, have said, no, I'm not going to. Not saying, no, you can't, but no, I won't. Because I think what we have, what we have failed to understand and what we fail to, to realize is that I cannot control someone else, nor should I. I, I can only control myself and even that to a, a very limited modicum um, of success. And so by God's grace, I'm able to do all things. And by God's grace and his strength, what am I able to do? I'm able to live the life in the vocation that God has given to me. Quit trying to quit quit trying to step forward and saying, I am the I am the 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 moderator of everybody in the world. You're not. And and so <clears throat> this yeah, comes that's a really it's a real I'm sorry. Uh, no. Um I was just gonna that's a, a very good point about what is passive and what is active. Um Certainly, raising your children in the Christian faith is very active. Coming to worship, very active. Right. Uh, uh, living out in your vocation is very active. Uh, it's just who gets to, to decide what's active and what isn't. And in God, in His Word, gives us this is what it means to be active. Like you were saying, raising your children and and being in the Word and um, uh, being kind to your neighbor, and those are yeah. all active things. Yeah. Um, Shouting from at you know on online or or listening to podcasts or podcasts. That yeah, get us all listening upset. to podcasts. That's listening an active. This is active rebellion. Yeah, no. active rebellion. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no crusades against target that. Yeah, it's, it's the perfect example throughout history. Christians have gotten this wrong. Yeah, and and, and um, I think crusades are one. Uh, what we did to the, on the Native American reservations would be another. One another. Too. What the so, Catholic Church did to to the South American people. Yeah. Um. This we we think that the because it's so very easy to think with our sinful nature that that because everything else moves by force the the Christian Church must also move by force and the Christian Church has never moved by force and in fact even in the last day when the when the the white robe martyrs um are are now standing with Christ they do not have a weapon they are dressed in white. And our Lord goes out to do battle. I, I would like to say this, um, <clears throat> and this is tackled throughout the book of Acts. This is tackled also within the scriptures. Uh, Paul tackles this uh, many times, especially when he talks to the, the people of Corinth. There was a time, and, and it is coming again, when to live in the world, you will have to do business with people who are, and to be, put it nicely, pagan. The, the things that they dedicate their work to will be pagan. The way that they prepare it will be pagan. And the thoughts that they have surrounding it will be pagan. 
And, and if you think that you are on the holy crusade, that you will no longer do business with anybody because they're pagan, um, you will soon starve and die. Um, and this happened in the ancient world as much as it's going to happen today. And so, so what did they do? The, the God's people came together and they say, we will pray. And so we came up with a common table prayer to rededicate the food that was cut for pagan purposes to our Lord and give thanks for being fed. Um, what, what are we going to do? Today, we can go somewhere else, right? You don't have to shop at Target. I mean, you might like to shop at Target, but you know what? You can shop somewhere else. But you what could, happens? Or you could shop at Target. That's, yeah, and just don't shop for those items. Yeah. Um, or, or use it as a teaching moment for your kids. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, we live in a society that drives me, well, this is why I can't be in a big city doing ministry because people drive me nuts. But the thing <laughs> I that I love ministry, I just hate people. <laughs> my, my job would early. be my job would be so much easier. Um, but but here's yeah, and right. bringing it back to the text. Look at Esther. Yeah, Esther never once took up arms, never once made a fuss, never once uh, yelled, screamed, and, and and took up a picket line. What did she do? She, she, within her vocation, she changed what she could change. Within her vocation, she stood up for what was right according to what she believed. Um, and, and when she was asked, she told, right? She didn't do it belligerently. She didn't do it in a, in a way that would, would say that, look, she is less. Mm-hmm. Haman, on the other hand, did exactly what the world is doing. Cries and, and moans and groans schemes. because they didn't get their way in schemes to try to figure out how to do it. And the reality of the situation is we live in a world where, you know what, you're going to have to learn to live with pagan people and it's not going to be pretty. And, yeah. and you're going to have to train your kids and maybe you're going to have to go back to the scriptures and say, how can I do this? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of approaching this in my sermon this week because it is on the Trinity. And one of the things that I, I, I say in my sermon this Sunday on the Trinity is, is this the very fact that the Lord is sitting in heaven and laughing at how we are going to try to, in a very limited way, in in some people would prefer ten minute sermons, but someone will probably get a twenty two minute sermon. People and at those Maribel, will be the good sermons. People at Maribel. <clears throat> <laughs> those but will be the good sermons. But they're going to get a sermon on 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 pastors all across the the country uh, and overseas trying to explain the Trinity, and the Lord's going to sit up in heaven and laugh because it takes time. Because it's not a fast food restaurant. Because understanding the scriptures and knowing who our Lord is and seeing how he, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit works in your life takes time. And and so does, so does the Christian life. It takes time. It would be great to have a silver bullet that you could just shoot everybody and it would be cured. It doesn't work that way. That That's not how this is. It I mean... We see this in Esther as one continual story going like uh, the back to back. This has taken years. This has taken years. I mean, it was a year before they even came up to the day that they were going to purge the Jews. Mm -hmm. It was three months of time where the Jews are going to be able to lay in wait and prepare. And they're going to be standing back going is now the time is now. So, I mean, this has taken and it took years for Esther to even be put in place so that she could even uh, humbly come and make this request for God's people. Quit rushing God. Quit rushing the Spirit. Quit, quit rushing the Lord and thinking that because your timetable would be more convenient if it happened now so you didn't have to worry about it later, it's not going to happen that way. 
I guarantee you the world is going to get worse. And for the almighty dollar or whatever currency that we will end up turning into, people are still going to make stupid decisions. And you're going to be forced to, at some point, work within the world because you cannot be an island unto yourself. It's impossible. And, and if I worry too much about it, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to end up becoming a hypocrite myself because at some point I'm going to have to backtrack. <laughs> Wait, I need patience. I'm in trouble. That's the one I remember a member who said, yeah, when every time I pray for patience, God gives me some unbelievably hard thing to go through so that I, <laughs> so yeah, does not remind I, you I, of I'm the more, more dependent on him. And thus I get patient because my faith has been exercised. Yeah. It's never a gift. It's always sometimes an opportunity. Isn't Jesus say that to the, to the disciples, um, pray that the Lord would send people into the harvest field. And then right after that, I'm sending you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I just did that. <laughs> Answered prayer. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're in the new testament let's get back to the old testament but you know jesus is everywhere in the scriptures um so yeah so Verse, okay we're on we're we're going back let's go back that will let's get 11. to 11 here we go um let me let me get my mouse up here so we can we can go through verse 11 uh logical place for us to start or yeah Let's let's we'll end at at 17 and then and talk about it. So on that day, the number of those killed in Susa, the citadel was reported to the king and the king said to Queen Esther in Susa, the citadel, the Jews have killed 500 men, including the 10 sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the provinces of the king? What is your request? It will be granted. What are you still seeking will be done? Esther said, if it is good to the king, let permission be given to the Jews who are in Susa to carry out today's order also tomorrow, and that the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. The king said that this would be done. So the command was given to Su in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews in Susa gathered again on the 14th day, or 14th of Adar. In Susa they killed 300 men but they did not seize any plunder. The rest of the Jews who were in the province of the king also gathered and defended themselves, getting relief from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not take any plunder. This happened on the 13th day of Adar. The, they rested on the 14th and had a day of fasting, or feasting and joyful celebration. All right. So uh, bringing us back to the, the text, one of the things that you, you probably should, we should probably mention is um, uh, we have two things going on simultaneously. <clears throat> the first is that um, uh, Esther comes back and she makes a request. Her request is that the king uh, allow only the people in Susa to have an extra day to defend themselves, uh, which I think is is kind of an interesting idea, and and this actually goes back to the celebration then that is is perpetuated in the Jewish culture, uh, which is they have the the two days, the fourteenth and the fifteenth uh, of the last month, are days of celebration. Those 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 fourteenth and fifteenth uh, day, um, so you have this this the split of only the ones in the capital can defend themselves on the fourteenth. Everyone else is one day, that was the 13th, they celebrate on the 14th. 
So what else do you have from there? I Just a moment of, of people who would, might object by just the number of people that died. And it's just a reminder of what we just said before. God's justice is something that is oftentimes unexplained. That why people's times of grace end at a certain point. Um, by no means is this the greatest atrocity in, in the ancient world of what happened. We have recorded in history lots of atrocities. I don't have those in front of me. I remember reading them and I was going over this. Just this idea. This wasn't a, a big thing. Um, a reiteration of what we said before, no plunder was taken. So this is kind of the, uh, it's not the, it's not the property that causes evil, but the heart of the individual that causes the evil. So, uh, the individuals who have been kind of cleared out of the picture, hopefully a reset of, of relations between different ethnicities, because you're not taking their stuff because that would just, you know, fuel this more. They took my stuff. I want it back. No, here's your stuff. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll learn this lesson not to mess with uh, God's people. Well, I think you have something else that's working behind here that that is interesting, at least to me. Um, and, and the part that I have that is interesting is that the king seems to um, the the king accepts this outcome almost with a sense of glee, um, like all right, we lost five hundred. I wonder how it went <laughs> everywhere else. Um, like, like almost to the idea where, and, and, and we're going to find out later on why, because all of the plunder that, that they didn't take comes back to the King's coffers. <laughs> um, and, and so, I mean, you, you have this idea where, where I wonder, and this is myself play, putting myself maybe into Xerxes idea, uh, you know, Haman was the one that instigated it. He thinks Haman had a plot to go to get to the king. Um, Mordecai had a had a um, had throughout in the past stymied a coup against him. Maybe the king is thinking, you know, all these people that are passing away are all the people that would have been laying in wait for me. These are, these are the people that 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 are were going to cause trouble in my kingdom anyway, and or- now they're gone. Where does it say that that all that stuff went to the king's coffers? So you go down to the to it's in chapter ten. The imposed taxes, the imposed taxes. So it doesn't necessarily say that he took all of their. Well, it's the idea though that it's the idea that all the uh, of what was gone, other people grabbed, and now he raises the taxes. Right, he didn't take all of it. It didn't all come to him, but some of it did. Right, and he felt the obligation like, oh, there's less people. Lots of money. Yeah. I mean, this I is called inflationary cycle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> There's an inflationary cycle. And so, so he had to raise taxes to, to help balance it out. <laughs> no, um, I, I think you have, you have some of this interplay that goes on. Um, but again, the scriptures are very clear and, and the Lord through the spirit wants us to be very clear. The, the Jews didn't take any. Um, and, and I think this plays, again, we, we're saying it over and over and over again as we come to the end of the book. But as Christians, you know, don't be out for what you are going to get. And this is the hardest thing because when we, when we are pursuing laws in the country or when we are standing up for our rights, I'm going to use that in quotes, it's always what's my benefit, even as Christians. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I'm going to stand up for this because it's 
for me. My rights. It's my rights. It's 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 going to benefit me. Uh, I want that law to pass because it will benefit me. And, and I'm gonna. I'm. I know we and you and I have had this conversation before. So I'm not raising something that's going to be like, okay, I've never heard you say that. I am not against the government saying that abortion is okay. I'm not because the government isn't Christian. And that's exactly what I expect them to do. Now, if they said, I have to have one or, or that every, that, that if you had a certain amount of children, you have to, I would be against that, but they're not, they're saying it's legal. Now, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. Are they killing babies? Absolutely. They are. I, I, but you're not going to win that in the court and you're not going to win that in the law. Yeah. I, I don't think we're in a, a point of disagreement there. I think I've, I've often said when it comes to abortion, we're fighting a battle from 50 years ago. We're not ready for this, the battle that's here. Right. And the battle that is here is that there are plenty of chemical abortions. We have no idea how many babies are dying right now because people can get that abortion uh, over the mail. And so this is, this is still, this isn't going to get one in the courts. It isn't going to get one in the laws because of of the availability of this and of this sinful atrocity. people yeah, and sinful people so <laughs> so what's the answer the answer that's always been there which is engage in the community in which you're in engage in the vocation that god has called you in um engage in the people that are around you and if you have people around you that all say the same thing then maybe you should go outside of what's your comfort zone which is what we're supposed to do as christians anyway is to to, to be kind and to to look outside of the of, of the those who are in the church and and say hey let's get some more so <laughs> I'm just, i had a break because last night <laughs> he is i am not recommending this on the show at all um he has horrible language bill burr he's a comedian yeah that's <laughs> I'm not recommending. Yeah, he has, he's, he has he's, bad language he's, yeah, he's he's in the uh the comedians that are leading us leading people to see this Facing the reality of what's happening, yeah, but then also being okay with the reality that's happening, right? But what I I was listening to stand up yesterday, uh, last night after the kids went to bed, and 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 how he said it, I remember looking at my wife, and both her and I were like, "Yep, I agree with that." His statement was, he says, he says, "Okay, so what I'm going to say, just realize, don't uh, don't applaud and and because he says I'm pro-choice, and all the and he, all the ladies are starting right. to yeah, and he's like, I told you, don't." <laughs> Because <laughs> he said, he said, yeah. He goes, I believe that you should have the right to to choose what happens to your body. He goes, I believe that that's right. He goes, but you're still killing but a baby. You're still killing a baby. <laughs> and he goes, so you're a murderer. <laughs> and he goes, I know people are gonna say, well, it's not a baby yet. He goes, but you want to know something? If I take cake mix and I mix it up and I put it in the oven, and 25 minutes later you pull it out and you throw it on the floor, I'm gonna be upset because. That's you destroyed cake. my cake. And you're going to say, well, it's not a cake yet. And he goes, well, in 50 minutes, it would have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it isn't, this is yeah. coming back down to, to this idea that, that we as Christians have to learn that the culture will never be following us. And it shouldn't. Because <laughs> if, if the culture is following us as Christians, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> Right, because then we've done it all based off of the law rather right. than on the gospel. Right, absolutely. And Which is, I mean, how living free in the gospel is what these Jewish people were, I mean, living free in this deliverance that they've been yeah. given uh, happens later on in the book of Esther. Yeah, and in, in, in case you're wondering, because we're coming close to the end of the book of Esther, and you're like, why did the, the Spirit preserve this for us? What is the point? 
Well, the point is, is while this is going on, while this is happening, Jews are in Jerusalem building a temple. And people who don't want them there are gathering to, to assault them at that same time. Um, these are connecting, the dots are connecting, right? Um, that, that at the same time that the temple is being built and, and God's people and, and the fulfillment of promises is continuing to happen in the promised land, um, these things are happening behind the scenes for, for God's people. So, all right, are we ready to, to, to mosey on? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. All right, coming back to the text, uh, I don't see any questions, so we're we're just going to continue to to plow our way through. We did it such a good job that time. I know, I know, we really are. We're getting better at this. <laughs> I'm getting better at this. I think you're just like good. I'm coasting. <laughs> I'm not challenging you enough. All right, so starting at verse 18, uh, but the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th and on the 14th, and they rested on the 15th and made it a day of feasting and joyful celebration. Therefore, the Jews of the village who lived in the unwalled towns of the open countryside have their day of joyful celebration and feasting on the 14th day of Adar. It is a holiday, and they spend portions of food, uh, send portions of food to their neighbors. Mordecai wrote these things down. Then he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Xerxes, both near and far, to call upon them to celebrate the 14th and 15th day of Adar every year, because those were the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies. This was the month which was changed from sorrow to gladness for them and from a day of mourning to a holiday. They were to make, hold on a second. They were to make those days into the day of fasting and joyful celebration, sending portions of food to their neighbors and gifts to the poor. I just want to pause there for a moment and then we'll pick up on, on 23 and go to the end. Um, <clears throat> how interesting that, that the Jews want to make this, the this becomes a, an important holiday for them, um, where they're saved from their enemies, right? This is the time where they were, they found relief. And, um, the, the, the reason I want to stop there and make this, this an issue is because it isn't until after the temple is completed that the, the Jewish people once again, celebrate the Passover. And yet this is becoming the feast that the, what they call Purim becomes this super hyper focused feast. And, and the thing that strikes me is when the Lord gave them the ability to defend themselves, that becomes the high holiday. And when the Lord took the stand to defend them gets forgotten. <laughs> Comment. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying that this is not a very good holiday that they're celebrating. That, or, or perhaps even in the midst of this deliverance, you see the evidence of a sinful nature, which says, "Look at what we did." Unless, unless it isn't really a, a celebration of "Look at what we did," but "Look at what we're living in." Uh, we have a God who worked behind the scenes to uh, enable us to defend ourselves on this day. 
We're not going to reenact that every time. We're not using this as a, a, a license or a right for us to continue violence against those people who oppress us because I, I like the idea of the concept. I didn't look in the Hebrew, but just relief from their enemies. It doesn't mean they're completely saved, like they'll never have problems again. They're still going to have problems. And how they celebrate that salvation is a, a giving of gifts. Um, this is the time for them to to give to people who don't deserve it, possibly, uh, to to be unselfish. And that is something that isn't a natural inclination. This is a counterculture of the worldview. Sure. And of, I totally agree with of, you that like there's... We're going to celebrate yeah. and we want our community to join yeah. with us. We want to celebrate. We want people who maybe have something against us to come and join and enjoy our hospitality. And I'm, I'm not against that at all. And I think that this is... This is the very Christian connection, right? Because um, every every holiday that we have, every high holiday, especially in the in the in the Christian calendar, should be a day of us not receiving, because we've already received from the Lord, but a day of us giving to others so that they too may enjoy and receive the blessings of the Lord. Um, I, I just thought it was funny that that you know we don't have. Uh, I mean, in in history, even. It's like the Passover disappears and then reappears again after the temple. Um, in fact, that's the only one that they truly, really celebrate consistently mm. after that. Um, but we have these inv- the, the invention of another holiday that had nothing to do with this is what God has done for you. Although he did, I understand. I'm not mm. saying he hasn't. I mean, the whole point of Esther is the Lord working behind the scenes. Um, but it just, it, to me, it, it, it it's kind of like what we do. I hate to say it, it's kind of like what we have in, in our modern society, right? Um, people pull out the red carpet for for Memorial Day. People pull out the red carpet for July um, the 4th. Um, and, and people, you know, they Halloween is like this huge thing. And it's like um, Easter, or, uh, Easter has been forgotten by and large. Um, Good Friday, non-existent. Um, Ascension. Like on a Thursday, if you celebrate it on the Sunday afterwards, you know, most people are like, what is this Ascension thing you're talking about? Um, Christmas still holds on, but not necessarily for the reasons that we would like to see it hold on. And and it makes you stop and wonder how, how permeated has the culture that surrounds us infected the church to the point where we are holding on to things, maybe not because of the reasons why we're holding on to them. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I am, I'm a firm believer in tradition in church. I'm a firm believer in the high holidays. I think they are wonderful times to celebrate, but shouldn't we be celebrating those things every Sunday? I mean, shouldn't those things be the, I mean, isn't every Sunday um, a mini resurrection? Um, should not we be celebrating the, the effects of the Ascension every Sunday? Um, have we forgotten the, the the holidays that we gather and say, look at what the Lord has done, and that is the focus. And instead, we've embraced the holidays that said, look at what we can do for ourselves. What does Christmas mean for me? Well, you know, Christmas means that uh, we get our family together, and but um, but not taking care of those in our communities. Or Easter means our family gets together and worships, but it's not. Yeah, we had a great meal. Yeah, it was great, but we we, we didn't right. think of others. It, it has now become inwardly focused. Because to be honest, uh, there is a, that undercurrent in Esther, and perhaps I'm reading into it, but just the idea of all of the drinking that's being in, involved in Esther, and you go, 
it sounds like oh, this is a great thing that they're doing, but it sounds like there's all there's a sinful nature there too. So yeah. there there is need of another festival. There's a need of another thing that happens. Even the Passover, it's always a there's a, there's a need of someone else to come in and defend and save God's people. Um, so all of these things are good because they're a, a reflection of God's saving activity. But it is always a precursor to the one big saving activity that happens every Sunday as we worship. Uh, every time as we gather around God's word, we are reminded of this big feast that has happened, this big festival that has happened, Jesus living and dying for us. Yeah, uh, that, that, I guess that, that was my only look at this is where they're feasting about their own their own credit, which is we do that, too, all the yeah. time. Yeah. You know. Um, so it's a good thing, but yeah, we can see the undercurrent. It's a good thing for us to celebrate Easter and Christmas, but we can see an undercurrent of selfishness in that too. Yeah, yeah, and that's—I guess—that's you know—that's part of doing ministry and a part of living in a sinful world where you're you got that competition going back and forth. Uh, the sinful nature that always wants to rear its ugly head and focus everything in itself and inward, and then the new man that wants to push out and say, "Nope, nope, this is for." Proclamation, this is for other people. All right, well, moving on. So uh, uh, we will get to the end of this, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. In hour number two. Hour number three. <laughs> uh, 23. So the Jews, the Jews uh, they completed what they had begun to do and what Mordecai had written to them because Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the one opposed to all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them. And had cast a purr, that is, they had cast lots to crush them and to destroy them. However, because Esther came into the presence of the king, he said in writing that Haman's wicked plot, which he had devised against the Jews, was to return on his own head, and they should hang him on his son uh, and his sons on the gallows. That is why they called these days Purim, that's lots, because of the word pure. Therefore... Because of all the words of this letter, because of what they had observed, and because of what had happened to them, the Jews established this festival and made a commitment that they and their descendants and all those associated with them would never fail to observe these two days according to these directions and at their proper time every year. These days are to be remembered and preserved in every generation, in every family, province, and city. The Jews should never stop celebrating the days of Purim. Their commemoration should never be set aside by their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abahel, and Mordecai the Jew used their authority to publish this second communication about Purim. He sent letters to all the Jews in 127 provinces of the kingdom of Xerxes containing uh, the words of the true peace, telling them to observe the days of Purim at their appointed time, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had given them the responsibility to do and telling them to carry out the directions about their fasts, uh, their lamentations, just as they and their descendants had agreed to do. The command of Esther established the directions about Purim, and they were written in the book. Then, chapter 10, very short. King Xerxes imposed taxes on the land and on the islands and the coasts of the sea and all his powerful and mighty acts, and the accounts of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king promoted, are they not written in the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? 
This was written here or there because Mordecai the Jew, second in command to King Xerxes, was important for the Jews and popular with large numbers of his brother Israelites because he had sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all their descendants. All right. That brings us to the very end of Esther. So any following notes that you might want to highlight in this last little bit, in this last section? I just find it fascinating, the comment about peace containing words of true peace. Like what? And when you and I say true peace, we're always in the context of Jesus, the Messiah, who gives us peace with God. Is this just talking about peace between God's people and the nations around them, or is this it was there something more in this document that he sent out to all these provinces? I don't know. Um, we're not necessarily told. You know, this is kind of the wrap up. This is like the the postscript in the book to to it sort of gives you the highlight of why it was probably even in the scriptures. You know, to, you know this is um, God's people seeking an external peace just to make it through to the next generation <laughs> and. Uh, and, and and just to be yeah, just to play devil's advocate, you know, the peace that they have with with the the Medes and the Persians goes right out the window as soon as Alexander the Great conquers them, and and you know you go to Josephus and Josephus will say, well, you know, the when when Alexander was coming in to Jerusalem, everyone in Jerusalem opened up the doors, hung the banners, and said, welcome. <laughs> you know, um, God's people sometimes are in their own sinful nature, are very well, very able to find themselves in any culture <laughs> um, and, and fit right in. Um, and so you, you have that with, with the Jews too. Um, I, I think it's more of the external piece than, than that internal one. I think it's interesting though, um, and just of note, just how well Esther and Mordecai work together and how the king kind of lets them kind mm. of establish uh, the subculture within, <laughs> because, like you say, he's benefiting from it. So. Yeah, I'm <laughs> raising king, taxes. Raising taxes. <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> look at this good thing that I have provided for you. I've given you a ton of money. I just need my little cut, please. Yeah, and and who can say no to a good party, <laughs> right? <laughs> who can say no to a good party of wine and and, yeah, and you're feasting? Taking care of my poor for me. That's nice. That's, exactly. That's nice and you're handing use. out beads. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. <laughs> yeah, too far. <laughs> too far. Well, that brings us to the end of the book of Esther. Thank you so much for, for allowing us to share uh, this book with you. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to look at that in your, your own personal devotions or in a church, uh, in a Bible study, but hopefully we did it justice. Um, if we didn't, well, the comments will close here soon enough and we won't yeah. read them anyway. I, I read them. <laughs> Um, question, any insights for your classroom as going through chapter 9 and 10? Or did we cover that already? Um, by the time, yeah, I'll be honest. By the time we got to 9 and 10, it was it, it had planned out it was the very last day of confirmation. And they were all looking more forward to going outside and spending the last couple of minutes out there. Um, it, they really didn't have any comments towards that other than what we've already covered. So they just were like, okay, we're done. Um, and and <laughs> we were ready to go. <laughs> Um, but you know what? It's, it's okay. And, and, and I didn't expect a ton of comments coming into the end of Esther because it is the recap. Um, the, the highlights were pretty much, they didn't take anything. 
and and that's important. And then it's the the just the reestablishing of they're celebrating a holiday that the Lord never gave them to celebrate, which isn't uncommon, and that's just how we are. That's that's just people for you. Yeah, is this um, operating in Christian freedom, or is this operating in Christian freedom plus a little bit of a sinful nature in the side of it, or is this isn't that always because it's in because it's in the inspired Holy Scripture? Wouldn't you say that God has some? Well, he, sure. He, it's not that as if God says this is wrong for you to think of those in your community, or it's not wrong for you to celebrate the gift of salvation or sure. gift of God's providence, but. Don't use this as an excuse to feed your sinful, feed yourself, or imbibe too much on. on yeah, wine, I I would say that. I, I guess I would just look at it and say it's it's one of those things where um, having holidays isn't bad, but not every holiday needs to be in the church. Hmm. Um, and and I I think that's where I would go with this one is it's, you know, Thanksgiving is great. I, I don't. It's not a church holiday. Um, Memorial Day is great and we have a prayer for the soldiers, but that's about its extent. Um, because I don't, th- I just don't think some of those things are, th- those are national things. Those are things that, that the nation, and that's fine. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right. And and that's fine. Um, truly, I, I love them because they're a day off. That's great. Um, but that doesn't mean that they have brought me salvation, that they, they have done nothing. They have done nothing for me. Um, the people who fought and died for this country, they gave, they they are an example of service. They truly are. Um, my dad um, fought for the country. My brother fought for the country. They are examples of service and, and examples of living vocation and in, in giving up self for something else that is above and beyond them. Um, but, and I say this in the deepest of respect, um, if they didn't do that, Yes, our culture would have changed, but the scriptures wouldn't have. It, 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 it had no bearing on the true salvation of people. The church would still be here. The church would still be here. And I, and I'm not Even try- if we would all be speaking German. The church or Chinese. Be, or Chinese, yeah. The church would still be here. Right. And, that's, and, and I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to anger to anybody yeah. because, because my parents or my, my mom or my dad and my brother very, very much have done this for the country and I respect them. And I and I'm happy for what they've done because I, I very much enjoy the freedoms that we have. But we have to we have to separate that sometimes and, and say that's not necessarily a religious thing. Just I, be yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that one. All right. So uh where are we going from here? I think we had uh family devotions. Family devotions, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll put something together for next week for that. I don't know if it'll be a multi who's multi out, one. Who's outlining that? You or I? Uh, that was your idea. Okay. Family devotions was your idea. So outlining it as to either a one or two show is up to you. Um, and we'll put that together. Otherwise, God's richest blessings. You need something in the summer. What are you going to do? Twiddle your thumbs, prepare sermons. I have tons of ministry. Meet people. (laughs) 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 Um, We invite you to uh, Beyond the Sermon, which is going to be next Tuesday uh, at uh, 10 o'clock. 10 10 a.m. 10 a.m. And then, of course, next week, Thursday, as well as we gather for our our regular podcast. Um, As you go about your day, uh, may God richly bless you, guard and keep you. uh, And may the Lord, uh, our Savior, open your eyes that you may see his hands working behind the scenes in all things, just as we, we see it here for Esther. And God's richest blessings.